At American Public University, we believe that higher education can unlock higher purpose. So we offer 200 modern programs for those who want to make a difference. And we believe education must adapt to students' needs. That's why we've made it accessible through online classes and flexible with monthly program starts. American Public University, within reach, without limits. Learn more at AmericanPublicU.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Well, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Big show today, big, big podcast today. Thank you all for joining me again. Uh, big thanks to Bailey for being a part of last week's podcast from the WWE Performance Center. This week, a big interview, a big state of wrestling. Oh, you're going to enjoy the show. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Of course, uh, a lot to go over this week in the state of wrestling. The big angle between Charlotte and Paige to close Raw. I was, I mean, I was a fan of it. You know, it doesn't affect my family, so it's different for me. I get it. I mean, maybe if that was, I was a part of the Flair family, number one. I'd be elated. But number two, yeah, maybe it would affect me differently. I don't know, but I'm not a part of the Flair family. So I'll, I'll, we'll talk more about that. Katie Linendahl will be joining me in the state of wrestling. Uh, you know, we also got to talk about the title tournament. We got to talk about Ronda Rousey. So much going on. But first, we start with the interview, uh, a staple of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. As I said, we were a uh, great interview with Bailey last week talking about the future, I guess. Talking with the future of WWE today, we're not going back to the future. We're going back to the past. A legend with me in studio, Bob Backlund. Now, Bob Backlund has put out a book. It's called Backlund. It goes over his whole career. It goes through his legacy. It's 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 a good book, and it tells a lot of stories uh, of having the career that he had in like the seventies and eighties. And those stories aren't really told that often. You know, so much of what we know about wrestling and so many of the wrestling stories we hear kind of occur 97 on kind of as the internet started you just don't hear the old 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 school stories as much and there aren't that many high profile books coming out of that era but uh, Bob Backlund has done a great one of course he held the title for many many years the WWF at the time championship he was brought in to be the big babyface good guy world champion after Bruno San Martino had left the company. And he he's a guy who set records for the amount of sellout crowds he did at Madison Square Garden. I mean, dozens and dozens in a row. Uh, and Bob Ackling comes in to take his throne. Not an easy spot to be put in. And a really interesting spot it ended up being because Bob Ackling was kind of end of that era, I was going to say the transition, but he's he's hardly a transitional champion as long as he held the title, but he is a transition between eras, because after Bob Backlund, you know, he loses the title to the Iron Sheik, who then loses the title to Hulk Hogan, and kind of revolutionizes wrestling at that point, Hulk Hogan and the WWF at the time come together to create what we now know as pro wrestling, it was a very different thing 
in the day of Bob Backlund. So it was great to have him in studio to talk to him. Of course, you know, you do your history and you you know all this stuff, but anybody who's my age or younger, you know, any of us who were born in the 80s, we remember Bob Backlund uh, for his run really in the 90s. In the early 90s when Bob Backlund came back first as like this, however old he was, 42-year-old guy trying to make the comeback of his career and not really working, you know, it not really going over, uh, and then becoming the evil Mr. Backlund, which worked like wildfire, I think. I mean, maybe not wildfire, but for the era, you know, it wasn't WWE's financially most lucrative era, but I'll never forget. I was scared of Bob Backlund. He was a crazy old man at the time. He still isn't, by the way, as good a shape as he's ever been in. If you, if you don't believe me, you can check my uh, Instagram and Twitter. I'll have pictures up that I took with him uh, earlier this week when we sat down for this interview. But it was great to talk to him. Uh, a legend, as I said. Here he is, Mr. Bob Backlund, uh, on my podcast. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Welcome to the studio for the very first time, Mr. Bob Backlund. Thank you very much, young man. Well, th- <laughs> thank you for being here. you got a book out, Backlund. Uh, educating the people as to your kind of your whole story, your career, your life. It seems like you put everything into this book. Yeah, well, the goal, one of our goals was to uh, write a book where people could understand why I made the decisions that I made mm-hmm. in the wrestling business. I made just some decisions that nobody else, else would have made. Like what kind of decisions? Because like, it seems like... It seems like your your moral compass is kind of what always guided you. Well, uh, in the book, I have a story about, uh, not a story, but I, there was a thing about me getting in the car with three guys and, uh, um, you know, three guys that had been in the business for a long, long time, and you need those guys to be your friends because they talk to promoters and everything, and they uh, started smoking marijuana, and uh, I wouldn't do it. I told them to let me out of the car. They wouldn't stop the car, and finally, when they did stop it, I walked home that night. <laughs> well, that was, uh, you know, um, I said, no, I wouldn't do it. Uh, I didn't dislike those guys, and I still don't, but uh, uh, I wasn't going to do what they were doing. I wasn't going to let them pull me down. To, I wasn't going to go down to their level, by the way. I was going to make them maybe come up to my level. Yeah. I learned something in eighth grade, and it's in the book, that uh, made me be able to say no and uh and get away with it yeah i mean that's that's a that's a pretty big step though as a young wrestler because the locker room camaraderie is kind of a important thing especially with all the politics that well, go on were, this this was the one of the world's champions one of the best guys ever in the business as a baby face and uh they were both all on top and uh, but uh to me um making that bad decision was uh a worse thing than maybe not having them for my friend. Well, what if you had? What if you had just said like, "No, none for me," and just kind of sat there and let it happen, as opposed to saying, "No, no, no, I got to get out of the car." No, I no, I wanted out of the car. You didn't want anything to do with I, it. Now, didn't you worry though that even though, you know, you you weren't? Gonna... I didn't even know where I was. We were driving around. There was a bypass in Atlanta. We were driving around Atlanta. It takes an hour to go around Atlanta once on this bypass, uh-huh. and uh, I didn't know where I was. But I wanted out of the car. I didn't want to be sitting in there breathing that stuff into my lungs. Right. Now, I mean, you worry about a couple of things then. Immediately you worry, how am I going to get home? But then, I wasn't worried about that. How come? I was wanted to get out of the car. That was it? I didn't worry about what I was going to do. Did that come happened. back and hurt you? Like, was it like, oh, no, Bob's not cool. We don't want to. No, no, no. But see, uh, I, I wanted, they, they finally stopped. And, I, and they didn't let me, st- they didn't stop the car when I wanted to and just jump out. Mm-hmm. They stopped and in in, they went to a club. And I, I, they went in the club. I walked home. I didn't know where. I, it took me till eight o'clock in the morning to get home. <laughs> My wife was crying. Yeah, uh, she was crying. And well, what time was happened. it? 
so I, the match was over by eleven o'clock. <laughs> so you would walk. You had to walk. So, we what, were, six hours, yeah, seven we hours. We were wrestling in Atlanta that night, and we lived in Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> so, so she's expecting you home so, like yeah, within a couple and, hours. And, you know, when I told her what happened, and she, you know, but she was, you know, crying when I come home. She didn't, you know, she thought something happened or whatever. Yeah. Which, you know, at that because I'm, you know, I'm usually pretty punctual, but I, I usually don't tell her what time I'm coming home. But she knew. Uh, you know, I should within a certain range. Twelve o'clock or one o'clock. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. she was, she felt pretty bad. But then, and there's no cell phones. She, there's you know, none she, of this. She was stuff. happy. Uh, she said happy. You did the right thing. Yeah. So, uh, but it, uh, but it took me, took me forever to get. But uh, and we never, we never discussed that again. Who and, uh, you and the, uh, you and the other wrestlers? Never, never. You know, I didn't hate, I didn't hate them. I just didn't want to be in the car. Right. So you didn't, you didn't then turn around and take that out on them later. No, no like, I, it was I just like this is your choice, not for me. No, I don't. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that I don't know, you know, I, I didn't get into the the politics and the business and I didn't smooze with each guy. So I don't know. I imagine that got around to business pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. That you got to be. But so how do you end up kind of getting to the place where you are going to be the world champion without because that's that's the excuse everybody says. Everybody says, you know, the business is done in the bar. And so people say that that's why they ended up, you know, doing drugs or alcohol. Like I've heard that from so many different wrestlers that they said, well, I didn't do any of that stuff, but it's what you had to do to survive. It's what you had to do politically. When you hear somebody say that, do you say that's not, that's, that's just not, not true? true? That's not true. Um, um, Vince McMahon Sr. was looking for an all-American boy in 1977 to replace Bruno Sammartino. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I started the business in basically it was real late in uh, eighty or seventy three, basically eighty eighty. It was about Christmas time, so it was eighty four where I had that was my first complete year. And when I left home, everybody said you're not never going to make it. You're just a kid. And uh, but Vince McMahon was senior was looking for an all American boy with some standards for him to be the champion. He had some criteria to be a champion. You had to have some integrity. Outside of the school, outside, outside of the, the business. I'm not talking in the ring. I'm talking. This is I'm talking out. You had to be reliable. You had to be somebody that uh, could handle yourself against your opponent, just in case he wanted to take you on. Right. And, uh, um, so this is a guy. So they, if they spread that around the business, they actually helped me get to Vince McMahon. Right, because that's what he's looking for. He's looking for a guy that number one, he can count on to not give him bad publicity, not do something stupid, and number two. He can still stand up for himself. He can still fight if he needs to yeah. fight. And that, and that was uh, timing. No, I was in the right place at the right time. Uh-huh. Five years later, it might it probably would never would have worked. Well, where did you – that sort of physical toughness and being able to fight and being able to wrestle and all that stuff, when did when did you start or, or what – well, I started fighting and getting beat up when I was in uh, seventh grade. Was it one of those things where I bullies were get, beating you up? So I got to learn how to beat these no, guys. I didn't call it bullying. I I, I call it I was fighting. <laughs> yeah. no, I didn't. I didn't. I never, never. I got beat up every fight I was in. You I did had more bloody noses and. Uh, but I was, you know, I was out. I I don't know if you read the book, but I had a bad family home. Mm-hmm, yeah. It was chaos and everything, and I I I'd rather go out and get beat up and uh, have somebody pat me on the back than go home because of what was going on there. Right, and right, I would, right. I went out for sports because I didn't have to go home. Basketball or wrestling, football, and track all year, so I didn't. I wouldn't have to go home as quick. So this this sort of like, and and obviously this carried out through your wrestling career and everything. That you're a guy who has this focus on like what's your goal, and you don't let anything get in the way of that. Part of that has to come from like I don't want to think about what's going on at home. So all I'm going to think about is what 
what my goals are outside of it, whether it's athletics, whether it's you know school, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, you know what? I I, um, I didn't have any goals in my life when I was in eighth grade, though. I was I was hurt and bad. I was a really bad person. The teachers didn't like to see me come to school. I was going out drinking beer with people uh, most of the night that were like three or four years older than me. I was I was about the same height I am now in eighth grade. Wow. And uh, and then but I wasn't you know I was like 140 pounds. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I got I got into with with the wrong group and I found I had something in the book where uh, something about peer pressure. Yeah, yeah. Where, where I sir came to it. Mm-hmm. And then I found out that they they weren't really my friends in a bad way. I thought I was going to get uh, destroyed in the way it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I walked home from a nightclub one night, drive, seven miles. I was in eighth grade, and I was thinking to myself, "How in the heck do you find out when you know you have a friend or not? When yes. are they going to back you completely? Right? How right, do you right. know when somebody's going to do that?" And I thought I had ten or twenty, twelve, five, ten, fifteen people that were my close friends, and I would have did anything for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found out that uh, it didn't uh, go both ways. Right, right. So that's the reason. Which is, it, by the way, I mean, when you have to deal with what you had to deal with at home, like you go and look for people that you can trust because you can't trust what's going on in your home life. When you find out that you can't trust, it, now where? Yeah, where are you going to go? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so, uh, but um, um, that was a pretty important decision because. The people that were trying to talk me into drugs at that time aren't living. I'm still here. Who wins? Exactly. And and even in the even in the short term, who won? Like it's not like you ever had you, you had a lot of success professionally. Oh yeah, in the business. Once once I once I got to be a senior in high school, I was pretty much ready to go. You were. I, I, I now was this a, was this when you're in high school? Are you like professional wrestling is where I want to go, or no, 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 no. amateur wrestling? And they find you through amateur wrestling. I was going to go to college. Yeah. Go to college. Mm-hmm. I uh, went to college, uh, and I was a very poor student. I just struggled through, but uh, but I had something in tenth grade. I had the eighth grade thing about peer pressure, and then sure. I had a little thing in eighth grade too about not giving up. But then I found out um, in something in uh, when I was in tenth grade about hard work really pays off. And it was through wrestling. Mm-hmm. I was the worst wrestler in the state tur- in, the, in the district tournament in Minnesota at 154 pounds. I got beat right away, and I, I and I stayed and watched the regional tournament. Then I went to the state tournament. I watched a guy in the state tournament. He won the tournament at 165 pounds, and I, he became an idol to me. I, he was my age, and, and winning the tournament in, in Minnesota as a sophomore in that weight class was almost impossible. Right. And I, I looked at him and said, I said, I want to do that. <laughs> you know, I think I can do that. And then um, things happened where I, I had a new coach that year, and he got us into weightlifting. So I found by, there was a person by the name of Ross Johnson that was going to school with me. We lifted weights together. Mm-hmm. I worked, lifted weights with him for, for all that year. And... Um, I became a lot stronger. And this Ross Johnson was a perfect kid where I was a perfect loser. He knew everything about goals and everything. He wanted to play professional football and this and that. And uh, he became my f- first friend after eight, after eighth grade. And this is a guy that you could trust. His name was Ross Johnson. Yeah. Um, and then and a tragic thing to happen to him is that uh, by the time he graduated, he died of leukemia. I thought he would still be with me today. Wow. He 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 was getting weaker, and I was almost like I didn't want to lift as much because he was getting weaker, and we didn't know why. We he was eating the same, he was working out the same, but he started getting weaker. He couldn't lift as much, and we found out he got leukemia, and he passed away shortly after high school. And now, I, is that also when you decide not to take things for granted and realize that 
No, 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 no. What, the, the, that was no, that wasn't. But what I'm trying to get across is this: uh, Kirk Anderson was his name, the guy that I idolized with. Sure. The next year came around. Yeah. So wrestling started. We have a tournament in my hometown in Princeton, Minnesota, and Kirk Anderson, this guy that I idolized, went to St. Francis, Minnesota. They were in the tournament. And the coach, and they have a seating meeting in the back room with the coaches, and they try to seat people that are good wrestlers to, get, to keep them apart. Um, anyway, they, this, his, the co- Kirk Anderson's coach asked all the other coaches, is there somebody in this tournament that could give Kirk Anderson just a little workout? And uh, my, my coach said, Bob Backlund's undefeated. And so Kirk Anderson's coach moved him up to 175 because I was wrestling 175 now, mm-hmm. and he was still wrestling 170, 165. They moved him up to 175. But just think, I was wrestling 154 the year before. Right. Do you know how much work I did that time? I mean, that, time that had to be insane. Yeah, it yeah. was insane. And then we went out on the mat, and I was in my hometown. There was a, the crowd was there was it was packed. They they uh, they uh, it filled up the arena. I I beat him. Bad. Wow. And I said to myself, hard work pays off. Right. Right. I got a, I got a big reward from that. I bet you it did. It made me drive myself every time. Yeah. And it, uh, I learned a big lesson. Yeah. I was very excited. I got blue scribbles right now. You do? I do. You still, you remember that moment? Yes, I do. As like, this is like, yes, it actually I works. I beat the state champion. Yeah. I couldn't even get out of, I, I got beat right away in the tournament the year before. Right. Yes. You put on 20 pounds of muscle. Yes. And you came back and won the and, whole thing. And there's no denying that. I mean, that's the beauty about amateur but, wrestling no, is like it's two guys. Tournament. I won yeah. that tournament. That was a tournament in my hometown. It yeah. wasn't the state tournament. It wasn't this and that. But that's not what it was. It was about that tournament. Yes. Yeah. And that was the guy. And I, but I beat somebody that had that won the championship last year. Right. And, and to me, that was a big reward for that hard work. Yeah. And uh, enough recognition. And pe- I never had people cheer for me. I had people boo for me most of the time. Even you know, in, even I, then? No. Yeah. I never had any. That's the first time anybody ever cheered for me. It, you know, you know it, changed, it changed the way I thought. But it didn't make me a perfect person right away. No. You know, I didn't, beca- you know, I didn't become, you know, but I, but I was going in the right direction. And then do you start to realize, number one, you're capable of winning. Number two, there's something uh, that you like about an audience. Yeah, but you know what, too? What? Uh, I got to tell you something. Please do. I thought I was ready for the world. Like, you go, okay, I've won this tournament. I'll take on everybody. No, no, no. I th- yeah, I thought I was ready to get out in the world and succeed. Yeah. Were you? I thought I knew it all. No. You didn't. State tournament comes up. Uh-huh. I'm in the finals Yeah. against Brecky, Randy Brecky, uh-huh. in Minnesota. I already beat two people that already beat him. So you're going, this is easy. I'm going, this is easy. Vern Gagne mentions my name on TV that I'm going to win the state tournament. Wow. People around me in the newspaper said I was going to win. And what happened? Did you win? I lost bad. You did. You didn't win. I thought I didn't have to work anymore. Right. I thought it was going to be turned over to me. Yeah. I didn't know how important your mind was. I, I, I never prepared mentally for a match. I I found out that if if you aren't mentally ready and mm-hmm. have your mindset in the right way, you're not going to get any place in whatever you do. I right. don't care if it's wrestling, football. I don't care if it's going out there and trying to do, make a good movie or trying to climb the ladder in a in a factory that makes cars. If your your mind's got to be right. So what 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 was a bigger lesson for you, the big victory or the big loss? 
the big loss. That was the big loss. It hurt lesson. me bad. Yeah. I went to the I went down to the red dressing room and I got my shower and I came up and my parents and all the people this everybody was in the in the state. It was at St. Cloud State University in Minnesota and everybody from my hometown. It was about thirty five from my hometown for everybody was there. And I looked at my mom and I couldn't face him. Really? I looked at him. I couldn't I couldn't walk any closer to him. And I looked at all the people. I, I know tears started coming out of my eyes mm-hmm. and it hadn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. But um, I walked out of the building, and I couldn't go to my parents. Wow. Because I felt so bad to let them down. But I let everybody down, I let, you know, including myself. But, but you, were, you were more ashamed of yourself than anybody yes, was ashamed I, of I you. I was ashamed, yes. Yeah. And, I, and I, you know, they were trying to just make, you know, but I, I, couldn't, I couldn't handle that. I walked out of the building. I didn't know where I was going to go. I just I couldn't face them. And, and then um, I went with some, you know, other wrestlers and, you know, my mom said, just take care of him, you know, make sure he gets home or whatever. Get, yeah. You know, I, I, w- I wasn't driving a car, so. But anyway, um, that 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 instance was the most important thing I ever learned. Not to take winning that, for granted? No, that your mind has yes. to be set. I never let up after I had a match, when I had a match with somebody, I never asked what their name was. I never asked what their record was. I never asked where they were from. Because all those things, if you're wrestling against a good guy, they're going to affect you. Mm-hmm. And if you find somebody doesn't have a good record, that's going to affect you. I learned that you got to go out there and be able to fight every time you go on the mat. And you have to be at your peak. Yeah. You couldn't be halfway. You couldn't be three-quarters way. You have to be full, pull, full bore no matter who it is. And, and the- you have to make them prove that they can beat you. Right, and the trick is to be the best you, regardless of who's there with you. Is that right? Absolutely. So you're concentrating on yourself and how do you be better than your last match, and it doesn't matter who the guy is next to you. No. Because once you're focused on him, he's already won. Do you think that's what... I mean, I don't know if you follow MMA right now, but it's not dissimilar from what just happened to Ronda Rousey. Did you hear about what happened to Ronda Rousey? She's this female MMA fighter that just conquered the world. She's knocking people out in literally 12 seconds. I mean, her last three fights are just... She's, and she's undefeated. Everybody on the news said she's going to win her next fight. She says she's going to win her next fight. She just went out over the weekend. She got kicked in the head and got knocked out. And I mean, and you could tell in the what, what she's said since then that she did not see it coming. You know, um, it hurt me bad, mm-hmm. and it hurt me for a long time. I couldn't remember my combination to my locker the next day in school. The next Monday, that was on Saturday. Just because you were psychologically so far off your game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I, couldn't, I couldn't remember a combination number. It, and it took me a long time, but uh, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Did you want to quit wrestling? No, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. But, I mean, in, the, in, the, in that first moment, like when you're no, all messed no, no, up no, and you... No, 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 not, At never, no point never did you want to quit that. wrestling. I was down, yeah. but I never, not never out. thought about it. it was, that was uh, athletics uh, and training is my lifeblood. Yeah. I'm here because of training and athletics. So, so let's go forward and like you get into pro wrestling, and obviously you have the athletics down. But like the guy that you you're in the ring with somebody like superstar Billy Graham, and you see this guy, and he's this you know this giant of a man, and he's and he's cutting promos, and he's wearing tie dye, and and this is this whole theatrical element that you come from this world of you know athletics, all American, good old boy. Did you ever feel like, oh, maybe I'm not cut out for this because I don't have that sort of theatrical feather boa thing about me? Well, um, yeah, I wasn't very, uh, I wasn't as uh, flamboyant as a lot of the other guys. Right. But uh, I think there was something 
that uh, is separate from that, and it's called hope. Mm-hmm. And people could hope that they were going to win. Right. People could hope that I was going to win because no matter who I wrestled, they'd always say, I hope he can win. Because you're the guy that they relate to. You're the underdog. You're the... And there was always a chance mm-hmm. that I could win. And even as it's tough to it's tough to pull that off when you're the champion to I mean, for it to work like you are already the champion and people still have to be like, oh, I hope he can do it. And I guess that's what the appeal of Bob Backlund was. Yeah. And, you know, um, the Twunks and the uh, and the Funks mm-hmm. and Terry Funk, yeah. Harley Race trained me completely. And they trained me to be able to uh, make your opponent better than he was. Well, what's that like for you to make that transition? Because obviously, like you say, you come from amateur wrestling where, like you just said, you're focusing on yourself. You want to be the best you. All that's important is you perform at your highest level. Now you enter into this thing where you can use your amateur background, but you're supposed to be making your opponent look just as good as you're making yourself look. Well, see, in in professional wrestling, my goal wasn't to win. Mm -hmm. It was to entertain people at the top level, if I could. Right, right. So now I'm I'm not thinking... Beat this guy. I'm thinking, let's do what we got to do to get this crowd going. Did it take you a while to figure out that that's where it was, or did that click in pretty quick? No, you don't have that when you start in the wrestling business. Mm-hmm. Nobody can teach you how to tell a story in the match, in a match, and build it and build it and have a peak and go home. Right. Nobody. That has to be. You have to get in the ring with Terry Funk, Dory Funk, Harley Race, people that know how to do it, and that's why you know the the territories were a feeding ground for the WWE F back then. Mm-hmm. They they developed this talent, and they'd send them up to Vince, right, and teach them how to do this. Um, and um, but uh, they the Funks were very um, on the money as far as the matches, and they were very good to me, and they they showed me everything and taught me everything that I needed to know. And I was very confident when I went to the WWF uh, that I, I was going to have a good time in the ring, and I knew enough to know what I had to do to make my opponent, but enough to take care of myself, too. Right. So neither one of us would get hurt. I Usually, I'd be laying in a mat where I might win the match, but the opponent won the war. Won the, he won the battle. Mm-hmm. He right. was meaner and he was tougher. Right. But the, the hope that the people gave me... Uh, made me be able to survive uh, with a monster. Right, and that's and that was that's the appeal. If you were sitting there winning every war or if winning every battle, it doesn't work as much, does it? No, no, no. no. So, But that changed, see, now there's other wrestlers that would beat the guy, beat him, beat him, beat him, beat him, and then beat him. Right. So that guy maybe would have to leave the ter- territory. Right. But my thing was that Don Morocco's going to come back and, and help draw people on the next card. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep him looking good. Well, really, I mean, you were the last guy to do that because the business all changed after you were champion because you, you're champion, Iron Sheik, Hulk Hogan, and we start yeah. this new thing. Yeah. And Hulk Hogan is one of these guys that as champion, he would just beat everybody. Like there was no sort of, oh, I wonder if he can do it. Like he's just going to go out and— I was willing to share the notoriety. Uh-huh. And it's, it's sometimes a smart deal to— you should destroy the guys so you look the best. Mm-hmm. And then they are dependent on you for the draw. Right. 
you have more control. Right, right. And I wasn't worried about control because I knew Vince Mann was behind me 100% after what he did for me. and Senior. Kept his word. Vince Senior, yes. Yeah. yeah. Senior was uh, the man that I, I had complete trust with. Yeah. I mean, you talk about it in, in the book about you had a, a father-son thing going. And he had complete trust in me. Yes. Yeah. And there, there was no question either way. But uh, And I wasn't worried. Uh, I didn't think I, you know, but uh, in some areas you want to you wanna be dominant. So mm-hmm. then you can, the promoter's going to, you know, he's going to think different about you, um, you know. But if, but, but uh, I was willing to I was willing to do that because I had such a great boss. Now, I mean, you've been pretty outspoken about the fact that you did not think that uh, Hulk Hogan was a great choice for champion after you. Um, how did you feel about the way the business completely changed after you? The, the... Everything you know that it's because of TV. Actually, yeah, you know, they change things have to be changed different because they're on TV so much now. Mm-hmm. But you know, I got to say that you know the guys are going through a lot of stuff, and the stuff they're doing to entertain people is, is very hard on their bodies. Yeah. You got to really respect them for wanting to do that, but taking a chance that they could hurt this or hurt that just about every night. You you got to kind of love them for going trying to entertain people that bad. Yeah, you know, and it's uh, you know I, I I liked entertaining people, but I tried to do it in a way where I wasn't going to beat my body up too. Well, yeah, I mean, you're thinking long term. Yeah. I want to be able to entertain the people for a long, long yeah. time. Why didn't you, you know, I mean, you talked about the Funks uh, before, but, like, somebody like Terry Funk, somebody like Jerry Lawler, these guys figured out styles not uncommon from yours where they could get very, very popular but still do it in such a way where their bodies would last and they could kind of wrestle for years and years and years and years. Uh, why don't you wrestle anymore? There's a time for everything. Mm-hmm. And that time's not there yet. So not there yet, meaning you could see yourself wrestling again? Sure. Wow. I mean, you kept yourself in amazing shape. But, uh, you know, uh, why go and wrestle in um, uh, some little shop someplace? Right. There'll be a time and there'll be a place. I see. So you go, why go from the arena to the little venue when if you just kind of bow out for a while, all of a sudden you're back and it's a much bigger deal? Yeah, well, there's a time and a place and, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I work out every day for a particular reason. Yeah. <laughs> Just knowing that that time will come. You know, I, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, th- there's a time and a place. <laughs> and I, that's it, all I can say. I can't say what time or what place, but, uh, and that's what's that's happened in my life a lot. I have mi- a lot of miracles happen in my life, and, uh, um, you know, yeah, it's, and it won't, it probably won't be okay. That's going to happen, but it'll happen. And we won't, you won't get much nowhere, or head, head, you won't get much time ahead where you know it's right, going to happen. Right, right. It'll be there. And Which is why you need to be ready always. Yeah, yeah. So if Vince Jr. or Triple H came to you now and said, you know, Bob, we want you to do something, is there anybody you'd like to work with that's wrestling for our company now? Do you have any names in mind? No, I don't. Uh, I don't, uh, um, you know, I... Uh, um, I, I run around a lot and I'm doing a lot of things. Uh-huh. I'm not I'm not probably paying as much attention as I should to the business. Right. But I I, I, uh, I stay active. I'm not a very good uh, sit down guy. I'm 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 uh, I'm very active. I, I don't like sitting down too much. Well, I mean, I, I saw that you sit can... down so much now. I got almost have to get out and go run a little bit. You don't even uh, like to stand. I, I I went to the when you got inducted in the Hall of Fame in Madison Square Garden. Yes. I was there, and it blew my mind to watch you. You did your speech, speech of the night. And you did laps around the entire building. Yeah. You started to, like, what inspires you to be like, ah, oh, nobody, is it just nobody's done this? Is it just I got the, all this energy built up inside of me because well, all these people are cheering? I got to go into the crowd and just start running around the building? Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I did, I do that because I, I just uh, love what the 
the fans have done me and or how they've treated me and how they respected me over the years. Mm-hmm. You know, the kind of support they gave. I just, um, I just, I just want to show as much appreciation as I can to yeah. the fans, and I, I, I'd like to touch each one of them if I could. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they're very important to me, and uh, they were so good to me over all the years. And it's, uh, it's great to come back and have a book and have people, you know, sport it and yeah. you know this and that. It's just, it's unexplainable. Well, the book's great because there's, there's as many wrestling books as there are, as many internet reports as there are. There's not much that goes into detail about that era of wrestling, the 70s, the 80s. Like, that's still sort of a lot of it was done in secret at the time and remained in secret because not that many people have come forward and told these stories. But I'm 32, and so what I remember most growing up was watching your second run in WWE in, like, 93, 94, 95. Um, And I thought one of the really interesting parts of the book was that you came up with Bob Backlund becoming the evil Mr. Backlund after listening to Rush Limbaugh. Yes. So you hear Rush Limbaugh on the radio reprimanding somebody about their morals, and you realize, wait, this is what the good guy should be doing. Uh, this, is what the, this is what the good guy of yesterday should be doing now mm-hmm. to maintain the integrity of the character, which is, uh, I mean, it was impressive, you know, to, to adapt that character into something that makes sense to now. Yeah. Um, did you... Were you at all scared of that? Like, did did you, because like you say in the book as well, you know, it had been nine years earlier when Vince McMahon wanted you to be a bad guy then to compete with Hogan. And you said, absolutely not. And ended up not doing business with them anymore. But do you know why? Why you said no? No. I had his daughter that was six years old. Right, so you I didn't, didn't want to be to go to a... school and have her dad be hated because I lived, we lived in Glastonbury, you know, for six years while I had a championship, and yeah. you know, was patting her on the, you know, talking, you know, you know, not a lot because she was in, like in nursery school and stuff, but uh, she was going to start first grade, and uh, I just wouldn't do it. And then I had, I was having Bob Backlund kids tournaments, and I was making all the statements about you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't get involved with that, and I, right. wanna, I didn't want to ever, uh, um, you know, go do something that would be against the things that I'm trying to tell other people not to do. Which is, by the way, rare for the wrestling business to look at what would be an, a great financial opportunity and say, no, thank you for integrity. But, I mean, it's really, it's the same scenario that you were talking about at the beginning of our conversation about having the guys in the car with weed and saying, no, I'm going to walk home instead. Like, yeah, you know, maybe this will cost me, maybe it won't, but this is not what I do. So that's what you did because your daughter was six and you wanted your... You talked about money, but... If you don't have your health, what good is it? Mm-hmm. To maintain a healthy, good life is uh, pretty important, too. And when you say health, you mean physical health, mental health, yes. Yes. happiness, the, whole, yeah. the yeah. whole deal. Yeah. You know, I, an athlete has, you know, has to have those same things. You know, like we were talking about the mental part of it. It has to be your physical and mental. That's part of being an athlete. Mm-hmm. One of those things are a weak link. You know, you got to get some good new parts, right? You know, or learn something, or you know, figure out a way to correct them. And uh, but uh, um, but uh, money is important in the world. But uh, uh, your family has got to be pretty important, also. Yeah. I, uh, uh, I we we only had one daughter, but uh, um, you know, we had. Uh, I just felt. It, you know, and uh, the Savoldis, they they always said how, you know, their dad was a big heel back in the day and when they were in school, and they always told me that it was really miserable going to school. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's a good reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough, it's a tough call, but um, 
But my question is, when you did turn heel, and Mr. Backlund comes out, and all of a sudden, you've got all this charisma that we talked about you being a little more mellow when you were the champion. All of a sudden, you're screaming at the top of your lungs. You're you're grabbing people like like you are commanding attention, probably like never before. Are there people around you going like? Where'd all this come from? Like, where, where was this guy? Like, yeah. did you know you had that in you? Did they know well, that you, know you what, had that in you? The thing was, they always said Bob Backlund could never do a promo. Yeah. You know, that's, but, you know, Vince McMahon wanted me to do an All-American Boy promo. Uh-huh. Was I doing a good All-American Boy promo? You know, mm-hmm. some people say, yeah. But yeah. Uh, to, the boy, to the guys, the guys in the dressing room, they, that wasn't entertaining for them. Right. But, uh, and uh, when I became Mr. Backlund, I, uh, uh, you know, I knew I could, you know, uh, so I, I didn't have a problem with it. But I, I was very shy. Uh, that character brought me out. I probably wouldn't have done this interview today if I would have not been Mr. Backlund. Really? I would have never been able to talk. Well, I mean, you, yeah, you were already able to raise your voice a few minutes ago. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and, yeah. and I, you know, I, but uh, the Mr. Backlund character, I meant what I was saying. Uh-huh. I believed in it. I was, I was, I was, people asked me if I flipped off the deep end, but I didn't. I was just excited to say what I was going to say because I, 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 uh, it was the right things to say. Yeah. If you listen to my discourse, you'd say, yeah, that's right. But um, it was to dress it in a bad way, maybe. Right. With some, I, like I went to Vince and said, I want to agitate the Plebeians because I built up a voluminous vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, uh, but uh, uh, but actually, I'm just me. I don't not you know. But I yeah. but I I was very intense with that character because I, I I believed what I was saying. And the vocabulary thing we knew was going to work because Nick Bockwinkle before you yeah. had had been <laughs> booed out of buildings because he knew how to they, use they great really big words. Chicken wing, and I when I got the chicken wing, I, I, I went act like I was crazier than heck. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, yeah, between the two of them, but uh, um, but uh, most people uh, have a hard time coming back and try to get successful on another character. That's right. Like Especially Maria, you, who's yeah, like Maria Manuno says that when she inducts me into the Hall of Fame, uh-huh. and uh, uh, you know, and uh, you know, and that was great having her uh, do that. I've known her for a long time, and matter of fact, I went to a beauty pageant. I think when she was in tenth, eleventh grade. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she's, well, uh, and it's great, and you know, her and Kevin are huge fans of yours. But I mean, going back to that Mr. Backlin character and meaning what you say, as much as you love the fans, when you're at Madison Square Garden, Maria is introducing you. All the non WWE personalities were getting booed. So Maria ended up getting booed introducing you. And before you even got into your speech, you reprimanded everybody in the audience. Well, when we were, Maria got done, you know, introducing me, and we had talked to her a little bit before I went out there, and she she was kind of had tears in her eyes a little bit. Sure. And uh, I said, Maria, Mr. Backlund will take care of that. (laughs) (laughs) And he did. And it didn't make any difference to me whether it was going to be heel or babyface. I I was ready to go. Right, (laughs) right, right. The people would have, I don't know how it would have went, but it would have went. It would have gone. Either way, it would have been perfect. Right, right. It absolutely would have I didn't know what I was going to say. You know, if I would have had a planned script, what am I going to do if they start booing? Right. (laughs) I'm going to have to go with it. And that's why I walked around a lot before I started speaking. Uh Just uh, Just trying to figure out where am I going. What are we going to do when we do this speech? (laughs) Where are we going to? go with it. <laughs> I wanted to hear what they, you know, I was listening to the crowd. Yeah. 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 And that's what, what the beauty of doing Mr. Backlund was. Now, okay, I've got all this experience with people booing me as well as people cheering me. Yeah. So I kind of know how to adapt to different different styles of audiences. Did you, know, you Do you know Vince Russo? Uh, I know of him. I don't yeah. know. I was with him the other day and he was t- talking about a time I did a promo 
and I had the microphone in my hand, and I'd bring the uh, microphone up to my uh, lips, and I would start to say something, and the people would start booing so loud that I'd just drop it down. I, did, <laughs> I had a five-minute interview and never said a word. <laughs> just brought the mic up and then brought it back down. <laughs> yeah, it was for five minutes. It was the best interview I ever did. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's nothing more infuriating than some, I'll wait. I'll wait for you. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pay, you know, and there's timing is everything when you're speaking too. But uh, nobody ever came up to me and said, "Geez, you can't do an interview after Mr. Backlund." Right. That was it. Nobody that was ever it. Did. And what was great was that, like a whole new generation of people know you for something completely different. Yeah. yeah you know. Right. But but you know what? I really some people I really like kind of being the all American boy because it's that's your preference. It's a it's a you know treating people how you want to be treated and like in the back of the book we got eighteen things uh, that uh, can help you lead to a healthy happy life and you know money is not the biggest thing either. It's nice you know but it's it's not health and that is more important. Treating people right is more important. So yeah. Um, and then I don't know if the people out there know, but I have a website. It's called backlandenergy.com. And if anybody's interested in purchasing the book, I uh, I do all the emailing myself. I, I put them in a package and I sign it for them and I mail it to them. That's great. Backlandenergy.com. Well, go to backlandenergy.com. Get the book. Like I said, it's great. It's got all the stories of, you know, and you tell the story about uh, uh, losing the title to Diesel and winning the title from Brett when you came back. You, but, I mean, it's a, the big chunk of the book is that uh, – title run which is still i mean legendary nobody 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 really comes close there's there's a few of you that have title runs like that and because of the way the times have changed you have to know i mean nobody's ever gonna come close to having the run that you had the the, uh you know the business would have to change completely and roll over to the way it was you know with the tv it's there's too much tv to be able to have somebody have the championship for that long yeah yeah you know, you're, they're exposed too much. You know, once Bruno and I, like when we got established, we didn't wrestle on TV. We talked. Mm-hmm. And then people came to the arenas. Right. To, and, to and, and they did that, you know, up and through the 90s, really, up until they started doing the live show on Monday. Yeah, yeah. You know, even when I was a kid, it was like, you know, the syndicated show. Yeah. You know, Hogan would never wrestle on the syndicated show. It would be the live events in the pay-per-views. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then, well, I, I believe that the, probably the uh, income from the uh, the television events increased quite a bit. Yes. So they started putting more entertainment on them. Right, right. And then it starts to be about TV and, ratings, and you which can't it never do was before. Like, say if you you and I have a match in a, in a, in a house show where there's no TV, uh-huh. we can do certain things. Right. But we, if we're on TV, we can't do them because those people don't feel the emotion in the house. Right. They're sitting at home, and if I'm doing a high spot off some headlocks and we're on the ground and we're getting ready to do something else, those people feel that and they they kind of get into it and they start cheering. Those people don't do that at home. Right. They need to see flips and this and jumping off the top rope. And, you know, it's almost to get to entertain them uh, 24-7 and no downtime. How old, how old were you when you started doing the knee walk? That was when I was, well, I did that when I was uh, in eighth grade. You did? In amateur wrestling. Wow, that was one of the. It's it's a you know like you're you're. It's like I'm shooting in on a guy uh-huh. to get a takedown, right? You know that's the steps that I'm going through the steps that it take. You have to go through to get into a guy, right? And and you do that on the mat. You know you do that across the mat when you're when you're young and then, but that's that's shooting in. Yeah, and um, and, and you want to have good posture. You never want to have your your body parallel to the floor when you're shooting in for a takedown. It has to be straight up and down, or otherwise you lose your strength and the other guy gets you. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but that, I've done that all my, you know, for since I was in eighth grade. But I, I, like say, I, I was a very poor wrestler for a long time. Yeah. But, uh, you know, losing and losing, uh, you know, you get mad at yourself. But uh, 
for young wrestlers out there, you, you learn something every time you lose. And make sure you do that, because I didn't do it for a long time in my, my wrestling career. And it, uh, But I would have been a lot better if I would have started learning. Start learning something, ask the coach why you lost or what you did wrong, and you fix something. That's how you get better, and that's how you climb the ladder of success in life, is to improve on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Well, listen, everybody get the book. Uh, interesting stories, everything you ever want to know about Bob Backlund, and a lot of inspiration. A lot of you know it 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 helps people. You can get it at backlandenergy.com. You can get it where books are sold. Bob will send it to you himself. So, uh, Bob Backlund, it's been a pleasure talking to you. It's my pleasure, and uh, uh, you know it's an honor to be here. And uh, I I love every minute of uh, what I'm doing, and uh, I'm very excited to uh, have the book out there. And um, people, uh, you know, if you ever if you purchase a book, uh, I have a website. You can email me, and uh, I'll email you back and say thank you for the opinion or whatever. But uh, and I do respect your opinion, and thank you very much for all the years of support. Here is Sam Roberts. And you got Bob Backlund there, who's one of the guys that Howard Finkel would have introduced in the ring. I think, right? Right? Well, it's great having Bob Backlund on the show. Again, you want to get that book, go to his website, backlandenergy.com. Uh, it's a great, great read. Any wrestling fan should be reading it. Speaking of things any wrestling fan should have, get yourself a Sam Roberts t-shirt. Go to prowrestlingtees.com slash samroberts. That's prowrestlingtees.com slash samroberts. You can get yourself a Sam Roberts wrestling podcast shirt, a Not Sam shirt, a What's the Half shirt, whatever you want. You get the Not Sam Mode t-shirt, all available at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts. If you're looking at your clock and going, oh no, we're 45 minutes in, that means an abridged version of the state of wrestling, right? Wrong. No. Full version of the state of wrestling. Let's go long. Katie Linendahl is joining me. We got so much to talk about. There is no reason why we should cut this thing short. By the way, I am uh, I'm recording this right before I publish the podcast. It's like three o'clock in the morning or whatever. But I just, just, just read uh, that there was a report that Ric Flair did not get a phone call, did not know that his son's death was going to be used in as part of the storyline between Paige and Charlotte. That's a little surprising. Uh, I got to be honest, I kind of put the onus on Charlotte to call Rick. I don't think that the WWE needs to call Ric Flair to get approval for storylines, even if they do involve his kid, uh, his dead kid. Um, but I, it was, it's a bit of a surprise that Charlotte wouldn't have called her parents, but I don't know the relationship they have. So I don't know if that changes anything that we talked about today on the podcast, but it's at least worth noting that that's not going to come up because I just heard about it now and I'm throwing to the state of wrestling, which was recorded this afternoon. So yeah, here it is. State of wrestling time, baby. It's now time for this week's state of wrestling. Here we are again. It's the State of Wrestling here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. She's back. Katie Linendahl is here. When life gives you booty, you make booty aid. <laughs> Actually, I should do that in the voice of Biggie. When life gives you booty, you make booty aid. <laughs> That's right. That's Biggie's The great blue Dini. <laughs> instead of busting through a wall like the Kool-Aid man, it's Biggie. <laughs> booty! Welcome to the State of Wrestling. It is the one-year anniversary of New Day, so it's only appropriate, Katie. Oh, I didn't, I, I, see, I knew my choice in, in going out the gate with a Biggie reference was, was, there was a reason for it, Sam Roberts. I thought you were making that choice because you always come out of the gate with a Biggie reference. That's probably true. Maybe it is. Well, 
It's been a big week in wrestling. I want to talk about uh, the Jersey All-Pro show that I was at on Saturday night. And this will all lead... I can't believe I missed that. It was a great, great show. So, Jersey All-Pro is uh, it's an East Coast... Obviously, it stands for New Jersey. It's an East Coast uh, independent promotion. But they've been around since 1997. And on Saturday, they put on their 19th anniversary show. So, so they do now... Probably two, three shows a year, maybe. It's like the 19th one where, you know, like the big numbers, you get like diamonds or gold or something. Is that like, do you get a... This was the Rey Mysterio anniversary. So you get a, a mask. That's right. That's and, a, a, a bobblehead. And a shirt that says Booyaka. 619. So, uh, they yeah, they do like two, maybe three big shows a year out in Jersey. And they always pack out the cards now because they only do a couple of shows a year. But a few years back... They were monthly. They were running every single month, and it was a regular promotion. And it was the first promotion that I had ever done any work for. I used to do commentary for them. And it's really been amazing watching what's happened because uh, so many people that came through Jersey All-Pro are now part of WWE. Like uh, Referee Bennett, who we talk about here, Mm -hmm. I met him. He was a referee in Jersey All-Pro, which I think is especially exciting that they actually – hired an indie referee to be a referee. Usually they take wrestlers and turn them into referees, as was the case for a wrestler in Jersey All-Pro named Bandito Jr., who is now a referee in NXT. Uh, uh, Kevin Owens came through Jersey All-Pro. Sami Zayn came through Jersey All-Pro. Luke Harper came through Jersey All-Pro. Dean Ambrose came through Jersey All-Pro. Uh, everybody, Cesaro came through. Finn Balor came through during a New Japan tour. Uh, so many people came through, uh, and unfortunately... About a month and a half ago, the promoter, Fat Frank, who'd been promoting Jersey All-Pro shows forever, passed away. So Saturday became... Oh, that's a special event. Well, yeah, it became the Fat Frank Memorial Show. And so once that happened, and I hadn't been around in a while, especially because I've been busy doing uh, you know, my other stuff and doing stuff with uh, Pro Wrestling Syndicate, who I also love. But I said, everybody's coming back. Uh, I got to go check out this show. You know, all the old Jersey All-Pro guys are going to be there. So I head back and uh, uh, watch the show. And the show was incredible. They had uh, Loki versus Rey Mysterio for the very first time that's ever happened. Uh, LAX was there. Uh, everybody was there. It was, they, they did a really good job of packing out the card. They found me. I just went, bought tickets and went to the show. But I went to say hello to people, and they found me and had me start doing promos with everybody backstage <laughs> like I did five years ago, which was funny. Uh, but the reason that I bring it up is I've said this before. You know, the question comes up a lot about who's left on the indies that WWE needs to sign. You know, NXT went through that sweep of signing up you know, Kevin Steen and Generico and Kenta and and uh, Devitt and, and just every huge player they signed up, so the question now... I also feel, too, on the women's side. Yeah, they signed a, You know, Sarah Del Rey came on board and everything. The question comes up now, who from the indies does NXT need? And, you know, obviously the Young Bucks is the first answer, but it doesn't seem like WWE wants anything to do with the Young Bucks, which is whatever. That's their decision to make. But I've said this before. It's refreshed in my memory now because I saw this person work in Jersey All-Pro over the weekend. There is no doubt in my mind that the one person that WWE should be working on bringing to NXT right away 
is Candice LeRae, Joey Ryan's tag partner, Candice. She's part of the world's cutest tag team. But anybody that hasn't seen her, I hope you've seen her. If you're a fan of indie wrestling, I'm sure you've seen her. Jersey All-Pro brought her in. She usually does mostly West Coast stuff. But she's developed quite a reputation for herself, not only being a great wrestler, but being a great intergender wrestler. There's a new uh, fad, trend, whatever you want to call it, in indie wrestling where they're putting on intergender matches, man versus woman matches. How not, do you feel about that? No, I'm fine about it. You know, it's, it's wrestling, and it's not like the women are brought in to just have the men beat them up because everybody wants to see a guy beat up a woman. It's an actual wrestling match between two skilled performers. So I don't have any problem with intergender matches. What do you think of intergender? I don't know. It touches on it. I mean, it definitely touches on what you're thinking of. Like it touches on that, you know, domestic violence thing. It's a, it's dangerous. It feels dangerous, but that's not a bad thing in the world of wrestling. And then when you watch these matches, it's not like a given. This is why I'm okay with it, because it's not a given that the man's going to win. You know what I mean? Because the because the the women who are performing when this is done properly are coming up with offensive moves. You know what I mean? They're not just—they're not necessarily looked at as weaker. It's like a heavyweight wrestling a light heavyweight. It's like watching Rey Mysterio versus Batista. Is the guy a lot bigger than the woman generally is? Yeah, but we didn't look at Batista and Rey Mysterio thinking, "Oh, you know, this is not right because Batista's so much bigger than him." We just looked at it as a classic underdog story, which I think is the positive appeal of intergender wrestling, which is why I don't think it would work in WWE. But I think as an indie attraction, I think it works when you put on the right. Well, show. that would never fly just strictly under the fact that it's a public company, right? It just and and like let's be honest, who I mean, it just no, it's not, it, and it wouldn't it wouldn't look right. It wouldn't it wouldn't be smart to do it in WWE. But as far as an indie attraction goes, I really have no problem with it whatsoever mm. because you know they put these women in the ring that know what they're doing, and quite frankly. That's what I said. I walk out of this match. It was an intergender tag match with two men and two women. And I walk out of it going, yes, this is what I thought. This is confirmed in me that Candice LeRae is the person that WWE needs to sign. Now, that would not be great news for Alexa Bliss because they look very, very similar. Very, very similar. Uh, But Candice LeRae is, uh, I mean, you know, she's a better performer in the ring. So, I, don't know, I will say Alexa Bliss, especially over the last three, four months, has gotten significantly it, better. She's improved immensely. I feel like her confidence to ring has just massively improved. Yeah, I would like, if Candice LeRae were brought to NXT, I would like them to change her look. Because I don't think Alexa Bliss needs to go anywhere. I think she's great. I think if they change Candice LeRae's look a little bit, like maybe they you know, make her brunette or whatever. Make her the new all red everything. Just dye her hair and all of a sudden you've got a whole new look. Uh, and by all red everything, you could that could be purple, blue, green. Yeah, it could be a turquoise combination of everything. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily she could look like Becky mean Lynch. all red. Yeah, yeah. Let's not take this literally. <laughs> no, no, it should never be taken literally. No. Uh, but yeah, that is my person right now, who I think the WWE and NXT. I mean, really, that's that's that that's a strong. Well, I mean, who else is out there that you need? That you need, need, need. Other than you know, you, I mean, we talked about the. Young I just question the, the 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 ebbs and flows and the waves of yes to your point. There's such like an uptick of getting new talent, and it's like, how do you keep that wave going? Well, and that's a great question. And I think what you have to do is okay when you, when you've got a class 
that came in, like the class I just mentioned. It was actually probably two classes. But when you go through a sweep of the indies like they did, it's not like they did the wrong thing because all the people that I mentioned were ready. They're not going to improve anymore on the indies. Like, it's time to come out to the big leagues for these guys. Um, And I think that's what you have to be disciplined about. Like, you have to realize that even when there's somebody that's getting a lot of buzz, maybe it's better off that they stay on the indies for a few years, continue to collect buzz, continue to improve as a performer, and then when you bring them in, you've got a real quick turnaround. Like, you've got a a built-in automatic star the way you have with Finn Balor, Kevin Owens. Which leads me to my question of why we're not going to see the Young Bucks, in your opinion. I don't know. That, to me, is the biggest one that hasn't been taken. It's obvious to me that there's some reason that they're not there because they're not there. Like, it's not a mystery that the Young Bucks are, like, the hottest thing in indie wrestling. That's Everybody in WWE knows exactly who the Young Bucks are. For whatever reason, they're not going in that direction. I would. I feel like if I were there, I would advise them to, but I'm not part of these deals. And for them to intentionally be looking past the Young Bucks, I would imagine that there's some reason that that's happening. Should we blow up someone's Twitter account? It's always proved successful. I mean, I th- like I said, I no because because create a hashtag because they because they know about the bucks. You know what I mean? Like they know about it. It's just pestering at that point. They know all the fans <laughs> love the bucks. They see Super Kick Party T-shirts in the audience. <laughs> like like it's it, it's just a nuisance at that point. <laughs> now we're just trolling. Exactly. I see your point. Um. I mean, yeah, what I'd love to see. I I told you when we were in Brooklyn, right, that if the Young Bucks showed up, it would like the, the building would ex- collapse. The reaction would be so big. But maybe they know something we don't know. I don't know. They're the experts, Katie. We're just looking on. That's true. We're just looking on from the outside. Speaking of looking on from the outside, a question that I got a lot when I was going forward with the title tournament and uh, uh, NXT is that you know when I was when I was going forward towards WrestleMania and also talking about NXT and Finn Balor coming up and all this stuff um, last week, people a lot of people tweeted me asking what I thought, uh, how I thought NXT should be represented at WrestleMania. Should you know Finn Balor hold on to the title and then defend the title at WrestleMania? Should there be some other NXT representation at WrestleMania? And the truth is. I don't know. I don't know that I like the idea of a NXT feud culminating at WrestleMania for a couple of reasons. Well, we did see a glimpse of... Last year, you mean, with Hideo? Yeah. Yeah, see, like, that's an appropriate use. You're talking about a battle royal. You're talking about he's not winning. But it's just like a spot in a battle royal. For... I think that's under... I, I, th- I think it could be a little bigger. Maybe. Sorry, you were going to say, though. Keep going on that rant. Well, number one, a lot of these guys, I don't think that their moment of their first WrestleMania should be representing NXT. Like, I don't think Finn Balor's first WrestleMania should be his NXT champion. I think it should be when he's ready to make an impact on the main roster. And I think that people that watch NXT every week think that it's a little more popular than it actually is. Like, NXT is amazing. It's hugely popular. It's super buzzworthy. It's selling out every arena. You know, I talk about it all the time. I love it. That said, when you've got 100,000 people in Dallas and millions watching on the network and on pay-per-view, 
is an NXT title? Is that the right audience for an NXT title match? It's very mainstream for an NXT title match. You compare NXT now to ECW in like 98, 99, right? ECW was that little engine that could. And yes, they were on pay-per-view, on their own pay-per-views. But what happened, if you if you took an, an ECW match, not the WWE version of ECW, but if you took that an ECW match and you put it on at WrestleMania, it would probably, while it's good for exposure, it would point out how small ECW is compared to this grand scale of WrestleMania. And... You'd be left with a with a very vocal minority of people who think it's amazing, and uh, a maybe quieter majority of people who don't really know what they're watching. And I don't think Finn Balor should be performing in front of a huge crowd where they don't all know who he is. I disagree on a few points in the sense that if you do use somebody like a Finn Balor, more people obviously globally do know who he is. So there's yeah, an argument not, there. However, I mean, not like like it's not like he's a Seth Rollins. But if you put on an epic enough match, there I feel like he, but it, that's the it's other strong. thing. NXT is not getting 25 minutes at a WrestleMania. That's absurd. Like it's never going to happen. It's a, it, at WrestleMania they're not going to say. But okay, if I could use the example of the, the the quick work back and forth between Apollo Cruz and, and Finn Balor what, one, two weeks back on NXT. A match of that magnitude and, and letting Apollo Crews do his flipping and, every, and it just keep being fast-paced and moving, that's a match that everybody, I don't care if you know anything about NXT, would want to see at WrestleMania. And that allows yeah. you, to, you to, to represent the NXT card. My bigger scare is that they it works and it's awesome and then they just start to overdo it and start instead of, like, peppering it at really big pay-per-views. Right. That would be what my head would go on in. That that people would like it, and they're like, "Oh, we got to do this every show." Yeah. And all of a sudden, well, that's the thing. I Let's mean, just have Sasha and Bailey wrestle again, right? Because it was so good. You have to keep NXT small. It's the only way it works. Like the minute you try to blow it up, it's not cool anymore. That's but don't you don't you as a network have to make it a, a, continue to push the popularity of it? Not really, because WrestleMania is already on the network. No, but I'm saying for NXT. To grow as a brand. Don't you still kind of have to push it in some ways? No, because then you're going to need another brand to be your NXT. But you don't overdo it, is what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I just don't... It can I, still be indie, but it can have its little... It can have its peppers moments. I just... I don't think that to have a strictly NXT match at WrestleMania that means a lot. I just don't think it's the right thing to do. I think it's it makes NXT look better to have... Like, NXT looks better having a show in front of 4,000 people in San Diego or wherever we were than they do having a match at WrestleMania because this is their show, their crowd, and it's like this is a show people are talking about. And you could argue that the NXT show was better than WrestleMania. I would probably disagree, but it was still a great, great show. That is a better display of NXT during WrestleMania weekend than having them actually have a match on the card. You don't think that one of the top cards, like you can look at me and say that you don't agree with the fact that the Hype Brothers versus the Vaude Villains as one of the top cards at WrestleMania isn't a good idea. 
I would probably, Katie, tell you that no, that's not the exact match that I would choose. We do as, like both of them, though. For the one of, they're great. They're all four of them are great people, but I probably wouldn't put that okay, towards the enough. end of WrestleMania. Fair enough. Yeah, maybe, Point made. Maybe you're right. <laughs> oh, so let's talk about the heavyweight title tournament. Yeah, my brackets. My brackets done. I'll tell you, it's done. But it, I mean, your bracket looks stronger than mine as of SmackDown. I was going to ask you how you won. Yeah, and you know what? You can suck it because <laughs> Kalisto went further than anybody thought, and guess who called it? This girl. You did, and Kalisto had a promo on Raw? Yep. I think it's great. A lot of people uh, think that the tournament, because obviously, I mean, we call everybody called the Final Four. Like, the Final Four was fairly obvious. Was it too predictable? Was it, on, like, just, did it deflate your balloon when no. it was like, meh? Because I'm... It's what you do with those final four. Like, I don't think it would have made sense to have anybody except those four in the final four. Now you have the option of either going predictable or you can still go unpredictable with that final four. Now, they already did. I think they did positive work with the tournament because I feel like even though he lost, Cesaro is a confirmed good guy because he hugged Roman Reigns after the match. And he's being looked at as more of a main event player than he ever has. And that's with Triple H sitting down and talking to him. That's having an amazing match with Roman Reigns. It really was a good match. And even on the pre-show, having Corey Graves pick Cesaro as his guy to win the tournament, all that stuff lends credibility to Cesaro, and he needs it, and he's getting it. Uh, So I think that it has done positive things. Let's be honest. All the tournament matches on Raw were really good. Really good matches. Very and they all had a reason for being like we all cared and they could go either way and it's like I, I mean you know like we said results predictable yes but while the matches were happening did you think for a second strong matches yeah is Neville gonna win you thought for a second he might you know what I mean so I think that it was successful on that end and I still say that this can go hopefully this will go the way I I would like to see it go the way I talked about it going last week. With, you know, Roman and Kevin Owens in the final. And we all think Kevin Owens is going to win the title on behalf of Triple H. Smart. And then Roman Reigns ends up winning the title on behalf of Triple H. You know, will that happen? I don't know. Will Roman Reigns walk out a good guy? There's a good chance in that. I would be disappointed by that. Does Sheamus cash in? Very likely because they haven't mentioned Sheamus. Agree. Like, honestly... Would it surprise me at all if Dean Ambrose won the world title and then had Sheamus cash in against him? No. The ref's got to get it straight this time, though, Sam. Well, he's, he's got to he take the briefcase jacks or don't. it up. I mean, this... we take, do, you want to cash it in now? Like, So you're handing it to me because you want to cash it in or no? Is this for next week or this week? You just want to make sure we're clear here. <laughs> yeah, because I don't want to have them ring the bell if you don't want me to have them ring the bell. Yeah, we could we could hold on the hold on the bell. Hold on the ring bell. it! Ring it! Because this is a verbal exchange, not a written exchange. I want to sh- make sure. Okay, Seamus, we're going to get nowhere if we're shouting. Yeah. So I need you to, I'm talking to you with respect. If you could talk to me with Pull respect. Pull back the anger. Because I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to have anyone ring the bell until you speak to me like a human being. Right. There is no reason for you to be condescending right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm doing my job like you're doing yours, okay? It's rude. Yeah, I, honestly, that would be disappointing to me, but I could see a scenario where, like, Dean Ambrose wins the title. Everybody's psyched. 
then Sheamus comes in and cashes in because it wouldn't hurt their baby, which is Roman Reigns. And it would give Sheamus the world title, which for some reason it seems like they're hell-bent on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a few different ways it could go. It could go predictable. It could go disappointing. It could go very exciting. So I'm excited to see which way it goes at Survivor Series. I think they were due for a splash and, like, a Phoenix splash. Not really. But I just well, I mean, felt, like I, Rollins, I felt like I could get in, you know, a pun there. His leg is all messed up. How could he do that? I feel Phoenix? like we're due for something pretty, like a, one of those turnarounds that I've been alluding to for weeks now that I feel is strongly overdue. Like something like what I'm talking about? No, we've, we, we talked about this. We're due for something like the, the, the 21 and 1. We're one of those moments that's just like the, the, the Seth Rollins cash-in at WrestleMania. We're due for that. Yeah, I get, but what's, like, what's... How's that debatable? Well, I mean, what happens? How does... Well, I think your theory's good. Right. Oh, okay. So it is kind of like... I'm with you. Like this idea of, like, Roman Reigns, you're like, what? Yeah. One of those. Yes. I think that's right. I think that's good. Those are good for business. Now, look, to me, we had a moment on Raw that is what I talk about being good for business, and it's become very controversial. I tweeted about it. I got a lot of people agreeing with me and a lot of people disagreeing with me. Did you do a poll? I didn't do a poll. I got to start polling. People love polls. Mm-hmm. You did a poll. It was what takes longer, getting your baggage from American Airlines or the Undertaker walking to the ring. Yeah. And what was the result? It, it was an honest question. Yeah. To people's. Um, we're at fifty-fifty. Okay. Yeah, that's about right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. And then somebody tweeted me and said, "Mex America wouldn't lose your baggage." <laughs> I was like, "That was strong." I don't even want to get started on Mex America. This doesn't make any sense. But. Um, I think that was our friends over at WWE Front Row Twitter handle. Is that right? I think so. Hope I don't give the wrong shout out. What did you think of the way Raw ended this week? I am, as we said on Sports Illustrated this week. Yes, and by the way, if you haven't seen it yet, the State of Wrestling is now a video series that you can watch every week at sportsillustrated.com. You go to the extra mustard section. They put it right on the front page when they push it out there. It's brief. It's like a snack. It's five minutes. You, you know, want more. We go over the heavy hits, and then we come on the podcast, and we break them down. And I believe you called out Melissa Joan Hart, which we'll oh, get to. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. But the topic at hand, um, I 100% was sitting there. I have these moments when, like, as a as wrestling fan my entire life, there's many years of uh, – I don't want, we don't have to name the years. But my point is, I have these moments where I'm like, perfect example yesterday, I'm like sitting there eating, multitasking, and doing some work. And then all of a sudden, I, I hear Paige bring up Charlotte's, I mean, brother, who legitimately passed away. The dead one. I, I'm sorry, wait, what? What? And I'm just like, I, I honestly like felt emotional. And I knew in that moment, too, I thought of how you would disagree with me on this. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's right, and I don't. I think it's hitting a gray area that I just don't think is cool. And I'll go as far as this is how, like, maybe I'm too good of a Catholic girl, whatever. Like when the Bellas were fighting and like talking crap on each other, like <laughs> oh, you know when they're like, favorite thing ever. you don't need to have this. This is your airing out. Like what you mean when when the... I have twin sisters? This is horrific to me. Has your twin sister ever told the other twin sister? I wish you died in the womb. No, it wasn't that the no. Bella's quote. This is just. It's I at love some that. point, it's like, dude, we don't need to go there, and that's my subjective opinion. Of course, you might be listening to this and say, I totally disagree. Fine, Point. but some other people's brains work differently, well, so accept it. I... Some people are good people. Accept <laughs> that's it. How dare you? Take it. I'll tell you who did not like the segment, and she tweeted about it. 
uh, Charlotte's mom. Good. Exactly. Perfect. My point is made. But. Too far. I will tell you this. Too far. In my mind, there is no, and people know this by now, there is no too far in pro wrestling. And I also feel like Charlotte was having a really hard time legitimately getting through it. She was, but that's the point. No, that's not the point. Look, is Charlotte the greatest actress ever? No. And so it should be based on something real because Charlotte. I'll make claims and say she's the greatest female wrestler right now. Boom. Yeah, but she wasn't wrestling. She was on a microphone. Okay, whatever. And Charlotte has only been doing this for a handful of, like, three years. Three years ago, she had zero experience or desire to she do it. She had a marketing degree, Sam. So, exactly. So take that. Exactly. Girl's smart. Yeah, she's a genius, but she was not a wrestler. Paige is somebody who's literally been wrestling since she was in the womb. You know, her mom was pregnant with her, and her mom wrestled. While she was pregnant. Right. I think it was more she started at 14 or 15, but go go on. No, 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 no. Her mom wrestled while she was pregnant with Paige. Did she conceive her while she was wrestling? To, like, how far do we take this? Yeah, it was a Bronco Buster. Okay. But... No, see, I shouldn't even have... I should not even... I think that's how babies are made. Moving on. So, so... So inappropriate. Well, you brought it up. Uh, so, obviously... There's going to be a gap in performances. That said, I thought Charlotte was good. You know, I, I mean, as, as as far as wrestlers go, I thought Charlotte was good. I liked that they brought realness into it because it was like, okay. Why do you like that? Because, We've had this argument so many times. Because it makes you care. You're like, okay, now we care. Like, that just sucked you in. That's like, okay, I'm in. Like you said, you're just sitting there eating your little yogurts with honey, paying half attention to the TV. They're organic. And they're not going to get people to subscribe to a network or buy a pay-per-view or buy a ticket half paying attention to TV shows. So we have to go there to get numbers? Well, did they? It's a disagreement we have. And they did. And that's what pro wrestling's always done, by the way. I mean, what do people still talk about from, like, 95, 96? Lead a Christian Edge? They talk, well, that's a little later on. But, like, when we first started getting places, it was like, oh, Stone Cold Steve Austin just broke into Brian Pillman's house and he's got a gun. He's got a gun in his hand, and he wants to shoot Stone Cold. I'll give you another example, a more recent example, when you wanted Bray Wyatt to take it even further with Roman Reigns' kid. You wanted an Amber Alert. I did. At some point. A Wyatt family Amber Alert. I think we're seeing a complete divide as to where we think this is too far. Roman, when he was in here, said that uh, he specifically drew the line. And that's fine, because Roman's the performer, and he can draw the line. Like, for me... I feel like if I were, and I don't have kids, so it's a whole different scenario. Thank goodness. <laughs> but. You can't take care of yourself. Let me give somebody a Bronco Buster out there. Oh, my it's gosh. Gonna happen. Oh, my but, gosh. But I feel like as a performer, if it's done where you do feel like you have control over what's happening and you know why you're doing it and you make the choice to do it, I think it's uh, uh, courageous and it should be applauded when you bring in... And you should be hurting that person's family. Real End life. End of story. That's what, what happened. What do you mean? She was disappointed. Her, their mom was upset. Well, that's Charlotte's problem. Well, it's a problem. Yeah, but I guess. But it's like... Charlotte. It's up to Charlotte as the performer to figure out whether that's the call to make or not. You know what I mean? And I, I, I do not for a second think that that would have been said on the air without Charlotte saying, yeah... I want to go there because I want to commit everything. Ric Flair put his life into it and lived that life, and it was everything. That And he became one of the greatest of all time, arguably the greatest. 
because he put everything into it. And so, yeah, I mean, historically... And then I just let me clip one final argument in because I know a lot of people are disagreeing with me right now, but I get to make one last point. But people are disagreeing with me too, by the way. These people aren't coming on with their real names. You're bringing in a serious life moment. Put yourself in that position. Uh Put yourself. You have a... I have three sisters. Heaven forbid anything would happen to them. I'm going to bring that into a a role that's... It's just too much. I would probably bring it in. That's because you're an asshole. Maybe it is. Maybe it is, but I'm also... We're fundamentally different people, and I think that's where this this, this conversation is over. But, But here's what happened. Because to me, this is the Divas Revolution. We're finally... At a place where it's not a bunch of group play. It's not. We are ending Raw with a female contract signing. Undeniably a That's positive a big deal. thing. That yes. is a positive thing. We are now going into Survivor Series. Where for the first time in Lord knows how long, you care about the women's title, the Divas Championship match. This is how, by the way, you go from being a Divas Championship to a Women's Championship to something that's taken a little more seriously. You bring in stories like this where, honestly, the fact that a real-life component was brought in makes this story more compelling than almost anything that's going on with the men. I'm going to go there. I think what would uh, it's not a matter of what was being brought in. Right. The real story here is what was being left out. What do you mean what was being left out? The real story is... And how you get people interested in a women's match that is strong is what you're leaving out. So you mean the fact that they had to go to a place that you no. wouldn't go to with men because they're women? No. No Bellas were involved That's... in this storyline. You want a strong match? Yeah. You need two strong wrestlers. That's not true. You need a good story. Good wrestlers and a good story. <laughs> okay. Are you uh, are you trying to say you don't you don't miss the the Bellas? You just you've finally putting the formula together, Sam. I miss. I'm the just be- again speaking for the people. I miss the Bellas. Of course you do. Why do you say? Of course I do. Come on, Nikki. <laughs> okay, that's not an answer. A lot of people miss the Bella. A lot of people missed the Nikki Bella last week. If you were paying any attention. Tell your little co-host who only has friendship with the internet that everyone misses the Bellas. (laughs) And look, if you think that me, Bree, and Alish are going to stand for this, Mm. well then you're wrong. I was the longest reigning Bantam Cruiserweight Hardcore NJWP, however it goes, of all time. It was great. It was great. It was good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Who's a, who's a leash? A leash is the new name for Foxy. <laughs> I love that. A leash. A leash. Make sure we start calling her a leash. As a matter of fact, Nikki, here's what I want you to do. <laughs> Wait till you hear this, Kevin. Go out there tonight and say this is a leash. I've got her on a leash. <laughs> Let's get a leash. Vince, you're so funny. I know. I know. We are always trying to be creative, even when I'm not holding the Intercontinental Bantamweight Championship. Well, goddammit, you are creative, and I'm going to tell you this. You're a great champion. Do you think I could be champion again? Are you not champion now? I'm not. You should be. I think I'm not. Am I not, Alish? No? 
Nope, she said I'm not. Why don't we make Nikki champion? Is that right? I just heard you're injured. My leg does hurt. <laughs> Why didn't you get that looked at? <laughs> yeah, Dr. Eamon. <laughs> so, so, uh, real quick before we run out of time, I want to touch on a couple things. Of course, I was so happy to see Melissa Joan Hart's account get blocked by oh, Kevin Owens. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's go there. This I've, is good. I've had a thing with the celebrities lately. They're letting celebrities smack the wrestlers way too often. Without any repercussions. Well, so much, in fact, that you actually wanted to go on a rant on this about two weeks ago, and yeah. we never got to it. Yeah. Yeah, because these guys get smacked, and it's like they're pro wrestlers. They're supposed to be tougher than everybody. They shouldn't be getting smacked by celebrities. That said, finally, somebody is not intoxicated by the aroma of celebrity. Kevin Owens comes out. He does his thing. He comes to the back, and he gets a tweet from Melissa Joan Hart's account. A Sabrina the Teenage Witch, one of my top 14 f- favorite shows of all time. That's right, and 15 is Clarissa. Mm-hmm. He gets a tweet from that account that says, Kevin Owens is a boring wrestler. A lazy wrestler. Lazy wrestler. And then Kevin Owens replies, oh, sorry, and he replies to Melissa Joan Hart's account, sorry, uh, I watched one of your shows a few months back and it's left me in quite a slumber, or something to that effect. <laughs> then, blocked! Block Island. Melissa Joan Hart's account has been uh, apologizing ever since and justifying that. Uh, no, she was talking about the character, not the actual wrestler. The character. It's going to be a bad day on news when Sabrina the Teenage Witch gets pop up power bombed. I think it could happen. I think it could happen. I mean, Melissa Joan Hart, I don't think, is running that account. That's why I kept saying. Oh, so can we talk about this? Yeah. Because you actually. I love that you have like a foundation story for this, by the way. Because you had her up to the studio to talk about wrestling. Yeah, it was disappointing. This was recently. Well, it wasn't. It was earlier. It was like in January of this year. Not, not, that, not Sorry, that's. Recently enough. It's within a year. Right, 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 right. Not but five. This was, by the way, I was already wondering what the deal was. Because she just started one day randomly live tweeting Raw. And then following everybody that has anything to do with pro wrestling. Out of nowhere. So that's when she followed me. So I started to wonder, like, is she just now deciding to be public that she likes wrestling, or does she realize that this is an audience that she could tap into? So I'm, but she keeps tweeting Raw, and I'm getting excited by it. I'm like, ah, this is great. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think I direct messaged her and said thanks for the follow, and she said something like thanks back or something. I don't know. It was a very casual whatever, but it was something. And I saw, and she was coming up to do interviews. She was doing press for something. So I booked her for an interview. Uh, I didn't. I don't think I ended up airing the interview, which is why I don't have a copy of it right now. I would love to find the audio so I can find the find the copy. I want to. I want to. Uh, but you're sitting on a gold mine with that with that audio. I feel like now, especially. I'm not sure to make anybody look bad or anything, but mm, I mean, that's yeah. go ahead, go on. So she comes in and she's talking about and and she had tweeted about Cesaro and Tyson Kidd, and this was before Cesaro was like a main event guy. This was like exciting. This is when they first started teaming up, I think. So. Cesaro, I, I bring it up. I figure I'll talk to her a little bit about her TV stuff, but then I'm going to bring up wrestling, and we're really oh, going to hit good. it off, right? Yeah. That's what you would think, right? Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I saw you. I was like, I knew you were the real deal. I, I go, so, you know, you follow me on Twitter. And she was like, oh, yeah? Uh-oh. I was like, yeah. And then I was like, that's okay. She follows a lot of people. I was like, yeah. You know, you started live tweeting Raw. And she goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, my nephew's really into it. 
He's like, huh? And then the more I talked to her, I'm like, yeah, well, I knew you were the real deal when you started tweeting about Cesaro and Tyson Kidd. She goes, oh, yeah, Cesaro. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, and her favorite wrestler is probably John Cena. Oh, no, it was. I believe it was. I think I asked her who her favorite was. I think she said something like John Cena. And then she said something like, oh, yeah, my nephew helps me out with those tweets. And that's when I realized that's your sister tweeting for Well, you. the only issue I have with that is I just I, – I want everybody in life to have, like, be true – to do you. Like, it was always pretty weird that I was into wrestling. Yeah. But I still rocked it because that right. was true to who I am. I would – nothing would give me sheer anxiety than having to talk or fake my way through something. Exactly. Like, if I started asking you wrestling questions and you did not know the answers. I, I would never put myself in a position where I didn't right. know – that's, that's where I have, like – Oh, why? Why? Yeah. Why do that? Yeah, it's bad. So, I'm happy for two different reasons that Kevin Owens blocked her. And I'm even more happy because I don't know if you've seen this. But as of this recording, both Big E and Kofi Kingston have said that they stand with Kevin Owens. And they've also blocked <laughs> Melissa Jones. Don't you be sour, Clarissa! That's right. That's right. Where's uh, that cat that does the spells? <laughs> you can't reverse this one! <laughs> I guess the only other thing is uh, Ronda Rousey. Did you see that's, the fight? That's a thing. I was actually off the grid. Right. No access to uh, any Anything. devices, which yeah. was like a challenge in itself for me. So uh, in short, I was out of the country. Yeah, so you did, did not, not see it. it. But I came back to a flurry of Yeah, it was, a, it was, it was pretty incredible. Uh, you know, she she, to me, very clearly lost the first round and then got knocked out in the second via kick to the head. So there was no getting around what had happened. I believe that Ronda Rousey spent too much time being a celebrity and took her eye off the ball, maybe. Do you really? I think so. I think when you're a fighter, when you're into combat sports like that, you have to be singularly focused on I it. don't think that's the case for Floyd Mayweather. Well, Floyd Mayweather, well, I mean, first of all, he doesn't box that often. And second of all, he has very easy opponents. That's an interesting thought process and because like, I think you would think that if you can stay on your training regimen— and do everything, and then have the added bonus of added confidence from getting all the celebrity, it would only enhance. No, it's psychological. I mean, you have to— Because you speak from experience. I mean, you know these things. I'm a fighter. Right. I'm a professional I mean, cage fighter. Like Mortal Kombat. Yeah. I've beat up Sub-Zero one time. Get over here. He was—yeah, that's exactly—Scorpion put out his hand. He was like, get over here. And I ducked it like Johnny Cage. Good for you. It was incredible. I was always um, Catania. Okay, moving on. But I think— I beat Goro twice. I think that uh, you have to be singularly focused when you're a fighter like that. And if you get into that cage and there's one thing on your mind besides fighting, you can be in a compromised position. And I think that there's a good chance that that's what happened. However, this isn't an MMA podcast. It's called Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Yeah, and, she, and tread lightly because she, she'll still kick your ass. I mean, she'll destroy me. She could be thinking about seven other things. She could be eating her dinner and still destroy yeah. me. But um, some people, and this is very strange to me have said that her value, as far as WWE goes, has been diminished significantly. It, wait, her value in WWE? Yeah, it's absurd. That doesn't even make any sense. She made one WrestleMania appearance, and they're actually even bringing up WWE and all? Well, no, just the idea that like WWE obviously wants to do something with her. And it's like, if they did something with her, she would bring a huge value to the company. Now they're saying that because of this loss, she does not bring that value to the company. A fact that I cannot even sort of agree Come with. Come on. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. That's almost as, as ridiculous, and you and I have talked about this, as I uh, the statement in, hate to disagree with 
Taz, but he he made a statement that said, and I'm paraphrasing here, that it, it was fixed. I think that's very very doubtful. It doesn't make any. Could sense. you imagine the magnitude if it came out that UFC? Oh yeah, fixed they would, a fight. They would lose their entire audience in a second, in a fell swoop. The whole audience would be gone because they don't want to watch that. It'd be it would, they would lose all credibility that they've built up over the last several years. I'm confused though. Still, not, I feel like I went on a tangent there, and that's my bad. Uh, what? How in the world does this? Did someone even parlay this to WWE? Well, be, well, I mean, because she, the reason she would come to WWE is because of the celebrity factor. The same reason she was at WrestleMania sure. last year. Sure, it was great. So it was a one-off. There's, yeah, but that's not what people have been saying. I mean, it was obviously hoping to set something else up. Like the idea of a Ronda Rousey and The Rock versus Triple H and Stephanie McMahon is something that's been floating in the air since. But WrestleMania. that would be a celebrity main event WrestleMania thing that happens once annually, or right, we, but, we see her appearance at one pay per view per year. But the value that. being that, like the value before was she's this undefeated MMA fighter, and now that she's been beaten, she does not bring the the credibility that she had with her. Said the guy that never ran more than a mile. Exactly, exactly. It's it's absurd. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, she brings just as much. Who's the biggest fighter to ever do something with WWE? It's Mike Tyson, I think. I don't think the, I don't think even the uh, Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, there's a there's a laundry list, and that so I, I would I would say Mike Tyson is the most impactful. He wasn't undefeated when he came in. Mike Tyson wasn't undefeated when he did his WrestleMania 14 appearance, and he still had just as much value. If anything, Ronda Rousey is more likely to make a WWE appearance now because maybe she'll take some time off of MMA. In a way, this could be argued, it feels like having this loss and the fact that, you know, per TMZ, she comes into LAX completely covering her face with pillows and right. not, not wanting to show how badly, she, you know, she got taken down. But, kicked in the face. But that's more press. That's yeah. only making her more popular. And guess what? This next fight is bigger than ever for her because it's coming off of a loss. Yeah, exactly. exactly. She's got a, um, all that work, blood, sweat, and tears she put into that has to be reproved. The biggest Ronda Rousey fight is the rematch. There you go. That's it. That's it. Well, Katie, we should say sayonara. Yeah. Say toodaloo. Chowski. Thanks to you. You can follow Katie Linendahl at Katie Linendahl on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And download my new podcast. That's right. She's got a brand new podcast called Katie.show. It's a, I do it with her a bunch of the times. It's a funny, uh, ridiculous tech podcast. Uh, very interesting. Very fun. Uh, it's good. You'll like it a lot. So check that out at Katie.show. That's also the website address, believe it or not. Uh, thanks to Bob Backlund. And we'll be back here next week with another Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Chelsea. Bye. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. At American Public University, we believe that higher education can unlock higher purpose. So we offer 200 modern programs for those who want to make a difference. And we believe education must adapt to students' needs. That's why we've made it accessible through online classes and flexible with monthly program starts. American Public University, within reach, without limits. Learn more at AmericanPublicU.com.